prison fellowship. I don't really know them other than I met them this morning over a cup of coffee. Um, he's a, quite a funny man. <laughs> it means you're good. Prison, I think we had uh, someone here before from Prison Fellowship many years ago, Arthur Bogus. Anyone remember his testimony? He was in prison and he came twice actually. Uh, I understand he's no longer in. A uh, friend of Weibang, uh, uh, Arthur Bogus, introduced by him actually. Um, but today we have uh, Ian and David to come and share with us. You wouldn't be able to guess his age. Ian, would you like to stand up and. Yeah, guess. David and choice. And that choice was to, what do you think? 
leave home. And when she left home, she decided that now instead of being hit, she would go out instead and hit others. She would get her own back, right? So she joined a gang who would help her to do it. And after five gangs and five prison sentences, she finished up on her knees at the bottom of the pile, the bottom of, of her barrel, if you like, the deepest, darkest hole that you can imagine. And she had no further down to go. And because she had no future and nothing further to offer her, she cried out to God. Now, there are a lot of people who cry out to God deep down in the darkest hole because that is where God's gold mine is, isn't it? This is gold for God because he loves to reach down to people, touch them where they are, and lift them out of their plight into the light of day once again. Not just Pam, but the lost, the last, the least, the leper, the littlest, the refugee, the uh, marginalized, the voiceless, scratching around the floor to pick up any crumb they might gather instead of living at the table of life. So here was Pam, the bottom of the pile with nowhere to go, sharing her life with all the other bottom dwellers which are around the world today in so many ways. So what she did, she got down on her knees because there was nowhere lower to go than on her knees. Now I want you to close your eyes and hear what God said and did for her in that moment which changed her life for the good. It was like I was standing under a waterfall everything dirty was being washed away and I was clean, really clean for the first time I'm not afraid anymore God's got my back now he brought me to prison and now I am free now what happened there and then in that few minutes is, because, is what God who we come here today to worship has done for her fear for 40 years to freedom for the rest of her life. What a joy, hey, that she discovered Jesus from fear to freedom and lived the rest of her life in great love of God. But it was right at the bottom of the barrel that she met him and she brought, he brought her up out of that hole, deep hole, to live a life in the light. Now, many of you will not remember a man who said something like this. I was a master of political hardball, able to manipulate and execute the dirty tricks that come often with the political process. He was truly a nasty piece of work. The man I'm referring to is Charles Colson. How many of you have heard of Charles Colson? One or two, Glenn has a few others. He was what we would call a hatchet man for President Richard Nixon in the States back in the 1970s. He was a criminal, no doubt about it. And he worked for him, yes? Oh, you're getting ahead, that's good. You know that, that's wonderful. Okay. That's right. The first thing before that was that God took him by the scruff of the neck, 
right, and bundle him into prison. Right? God then shook him by the scruff of the neck and shook him into the kingdom of heaven, which is where God wanted him to be. Some people should be in prison right, for God to touch them. And while he was there, in his conversion and his love of Jesus, many prisoners around him came to the Lord as well. And then the Lord inspired him to write his classic autobiography. What's it called? Anyone know? Oh, Glenn knows everything. <laughs> you said you were not omnipresent. You are omnipotent. You know everything. Why don't you, can you come up and... Born Again, his classic autobiography, a wonderful and inspiring book. And do you know God used one person one man to do this, to set up prison fellowship uh, visiting processes all over the world in 120 countries so that we are now the largest prison visiting enterprise in the world. That is our main focus, is to visit prisoners and to befriend them. For many of them, for the first time in their lives, they, they find someone who will love them and have compassion for them and introduce them to Jesus where the opportunity is available, okay? Which is very, very often. That's, that was the work of Charles Colson in the States. And today we in Victoria, David and I, and 200 volunteers, right, go into prisons and it is a privilege to meet them. Even though they might say to us, why are you here? Why aren't you climbing a mountain or visiting your family or going to a movie or to the beach or doing any of a thousand things that you and I do uh, regularly uh, week by week. So they become impressed that there are people who want to spend time with them more than anyone else at that time. Isn't that exciting? That's a privilege to us. Now, I have a grandson and his name is uh, Blair. He's only five and he loves birds in cages. But most birds should not be in cages, should they? Right? No, they should not. They should be twittering in the trees and uh, you know, building nests and all of that sort of thing. Shouldn't they, right? There are more than 7,000 human beings in cages in Victoria alone. And lately, David tells me, that's jumped quickly to 7,400 and increasing faster than ever before. They're all in up to 15 prisons all over Victoria. 40,000 of them in Australia. And in Victoria, we have, like us, 200 volunteers who will go in and befriend them. 90% of them, are, unfortunately, are male. Most of them have bad, guess what the word is? Bad fathers. Yeah, bad upbringing. Bad fathers, right? Or they have a bad education, dysfunctional family, or bad company, bad uh, peer pressure, drugs and drink, uh, mental damage, right? Um, bad choices, family tree going back a long way, which was also poisonous and 
could go on and on and on. All sorts of things that conspire together to create a person who is almost certain to commit a crime of some kind or other, no matter how bad or how trivial. Fair enough? You understand that? Okay. So we, we want to care for them more than we ever have before. David and I and so many others, we are learning how to have compassion for these people, no matter what they have done, to distinguish between the sin and the sinner. We hate what they have done, do we not? We hate insidious, unspeakable, anus, vile crimes. I went into prison one day and there was a man in the corner and he was looking up at the ceiling and he was just shaking his head like this. And uh, I went over to him very slowly and I asked him if I could sit down next to him. And he said, yeah, he nodded his head, so I sat down. Uh, How long have you been here? Uh, Two weeks. And I said, um, uh, your children, what's happening to your children? No idea. Uh, what about your wife? Uh, she died two weeks ago. Did it? And in that moment, I hated that he had murdered his wife, right? But had compassion for him because he's created in the image of God, Right? both at the same time you love yourself under God don't you and hate the things you do like lying and coveting and doing sinful things thinking sinful thoughts or whatever they might be whoa now the P word okay four or five things four or five P's the first one is I am passionate about this word I love doing this work more than anything in my life. And I say the 70s are a great decade. Who here is in their 70s or is happy to to admit it? (laughs) Happy to admit you're in your 70s? It's a great decade. In fact, it's great to be alive, isn't it? Until the day of our death when we go to be with the Lord. That's the first thing. I'm passionate about that. Now, you might like me so much when I tell you I'm an Anglican minister. (laughs) Is that okay? nearly 76 and I have a wife Wendy three children and four grandchildren and I'm very passionate about everything I do with my family and in doing this as is Dave of course the second one thing is we are privileged to work with a global enterprise that does so well in befriending so many prisoners and helping them to discover that they can be forgiven that their lives can be turned around to produce goodness that they've never, ever known before. And that's wonderful, isn't it? If it happens to you or it has happened to you, don't you glory in God for that? Then we don't distinguish between all of us, we don't, between all of us and all of those in prison. And we think that's an exciting thing. The third thing is we're productive. We have tens of thousands of meaningful interactions with prisoners all over Australia and all over the world in 121 countries. And it's happening right now, right now, right as we sit here and speak. Okay, now, these prisoners could be in prison for anything from a week up to a lifetime. Now, Glenn and I have agreed that we're going to lock the doors this morning you will not be able to go home after lunch. Mm-mm. 
I'm sorry about this, but we think it's for your good. We think it will be helpful for you to experience being confined in a limited space for an appreciable amount of time. You'd start to feel it if you were here for one day, would you not? Right? Bringing all the people you have arrangements with up to the end of tomorrow, right? and then realise it could go on for another week, month, year. And you get to the point where you realise that no matter what they've done, this is punishment indeed. Confined space, seemingly unlimited time. The next P is uh, prayer. David knows, I know, that without prayer, renewable energy, we can do nothing effective and helpful in prisons. You would know that yourselves. You cannot please God in what he wants for your life unless you pray, usually. So uh, prayer is really important. The other P is prisoner. We focus on the prisoner more than on the systems, the correctional systems, legal, court, all those because sometimes, in some ways, they're as broken down and as disordered as the prisoners themselves. So we've got a long way to go in reforming the systems as well as the prisoners themselves. We tend to forget about that, and we, we need to, because in the time we have today, we've got to focus on the prisoner created in the image of God. And the other P is participation. We want you this morning, under the Holy Spirit, to consider being a part of prison fellowship will suggest some of the ways you can do that. It's between the in the triangle it's between you and God and prison fellowship, okay? So we're going to take you down uh, a bit of uncharted territory. Rattle your cages a bit. You won't like everything you hear. We don't like everything we say. We don't think it's anything like an ideal world, but we do believe that God calls us into that world rather than being a part of it. And that's quite a hard thing to do sometimes, isn't it? As a Christ as Christians Okay. Now, how many bank robbers do we have here? <laughs> Does anyone here look like a bank robber? Mm, look like a bank. Could be a bank robber. <laughs> no, you could be. <laughs> when you're up there, I thought, oh yes, there he could be a bank robber. None here. Not one. Okay. Any tax dodgers here? Oh, a bit closer to the bone, is it? <laughs> You think David looks like a tax dodger? <laughs> okay. What about liar? Hands up if you lie. <laughs> Occasionally. How often is that? Once a year? Once a month? <laughs> you liar. <laughs> I've just read a book called Nobody, Li Everybody Lies. We all lie more often than you think. There are very subtle ways to lie, which we won't go into now, but you can lie without even knowing it. Maybe afterwards you realise that you've lied by omission, by exaggeration, subtle hints, white lies. You know, We all lie, do we not? So in God's court of law, we're sort of um, all in the same boat as prisoners at the Melbourne Assessment Prison, are we not? We are all offenders under God, are we not? All of us. So we don't need to distinguish between them and us because in the end we're all in the same boat together. 
Mary Kay Beard was a bank robber. So we do have a bank robber around. Not now, not anymore. She died a couple of years ago. She loved robbing banks. And she uh, joined with the mafia, the mob in America, to rob banks. Grand larcenies all over the place, right? Loved it. Did it for a long time. Then one day she tried to double-cross the, uh, the, not the media, the, uh, the mafia. And the mafia were out to get her, to kill her. But before they did... She was arrested and convicted and sentenced to 21 years jail. Add 21 years to your life now, where are you then? Quick calculation, some of you won't be here at all. You'll have gone to be with the Lord. Right? It's a long period of time, 21 years. After 16 years, she was reading through the Old Testament, a Gideon's Bible. And she was flipping through Ezekiel the prophet and she came to chapter 36, which says, I will make you a new creature, and I'll put my spirit within you. Know that one? Who knows that verse? Yeah, a few of you? Okay. Which is the gospel, right? I'll make you a new creation, and I'll put my Holy Spirit within you. So she said, my, she was impressed. She forgot she was a bank robber. She was impressed with these words. Okay, God, if you are real, I will give the rest of my life back to you rest of my life back to you if you are true and what you've said through your prophet is true and real so she did and that night after 16 years in prison God said to her after converting to Jesus converting to him God said to her I want you to set up shopping malls all over the eastern states of America right Christmas trees with the gospel attached to each tree and an invitation to shoppers to give a donation, a gift of $30 for... Now, I wonder who it could be for. Victims of crime. Hmm? Who are the victims of crime? Some of them. Their families. Their children. They're bigger victims in some ways than the criminals themselves. But the criminals are victims too. If you think about their background, as well as being perpetrators. So you can have a perpetrator and a victim in the one person. We are perpetrators of sin to others whenever we damage another person by our sin. But we're also victims of other people's sins, aren't we? Mm-hmm both in the one person you and me I know it David knows it because we're pretty close right? do you know it wow does that bring us to our knees like Pam whoa David's a very good friend of mine he, um, he's been in prison now oh, one particular one mainly for 11 years now and uh, I've learned a lot from him we work together, we do this uh, quite a bit, and uh, we're available to go to schools and churches and charitable organisations, anywhere in Victoria, really, just see one of us afterwards if you'd like to do something like that. But David, come on up and uh, share some of the really experiences that you've had. Uh, I'd like to bring you on a slightly different angle, uh, and that is like what, what the visiting system is all about and what, what, what it, what, how you could get involved. Uh, as Ian said, I've, 
I've actually been doing this since I retired from uh, everyday work. I gave my wife a shock when I told her that I was actually going to retire, and she said, what are we going to do? And I said, well, you know, I really believe that this is what God wants me to do, and it's amazing how when you do what he wants you to do, how he provides the finances that we needed. Uh, so every Wednesday morning, I, I hop on a train and go into Southern Cross. Uh, we actually, I actually go in with two other people. One of them is a lady, which is an unusual thing for a lady to be going into men's prison. Uh, like the women generally go into women's prisons. Uh, but uh, when, we, when we hit Spencer Street, uh, we do something, a religious thing. Can anyone think what that religious thing would be? We have coffee. Because <laughs> that's really, you know, that's an important issue. So we have our coffee, and then we walk along to the map, and outside the map, we get serious. Uh, like, we seriously pray that God will go in with us, which he always does, and we can go in in total confidence of God being with us. The first thing we do is we go and check in and do all those sorts of things, lots of checks. Uh, we actually teach a little, uh, on this little book called Why Forgive. In prison, many, many people have got major problems with forgiveness. Uh, so we take a story out of this and we form a little group and uh, talk about it and it's amazing how you know if you if you look at it honestly how it affects the people um, after we've done that we then go out and anyone who wants to uh, have a chat with us they can request a, a visit from prison fellowship so we we generally have a number of those and we go off and we treat them as a priority, so we go and see them. Uh, two people that sort of stand out, one was a, we're looking at, through our list and we see Muhammad wants to see us. We thought, gee, that's a bit strange, but anyway, that's fine. So we went and we found out that Muhammad had been a naughty guy and he'd been put in a 23-hour lockdown. So anyway, we went into the unit and uh, talked to the officer and he went and he checked I said maybe he doesn't want maybe he doesn't realize that we're Christians so we heard the conversation he said of course I understand that they're Christians um, so anyway we went down and look in and in through the little hole in the door and this big big black man beautiful uh, chap from Ethiopia and he said oh he said, "This what a great morning it is. He said, I've just cut off my, my, there's my mat, it's still on the floor. I've just spent time, and now Prison Fellowship come to visit us. What a wonderful day. So we had a good chat with him, and then a few weeks later in the yard, he's there, and he sees, it, he sees us arrive, and he comes, walks straight across. He got bigger every time, with every step that he, he took. He seemed enormous, and eventually put his arms around to to hug us, and I, I thought, I wonder what he's got to break, you know. <laughs> but uh, but I, he that's asked what we're doing, and I told him we're doing this book it's, and what it is, and he said, I said, we're having a few problems getting people. He said, I'll get them for you. He said, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> and he, the size of them, 
So we ended up having the best, the biggest group we've ever had for this was when the Muslim gave us a, gave us a hand. Uh, another chap who, when after you know, checking things out with him, one guy on his own really looked down and out. So I went over, sort of sat down beside him, and he didn't say anything, and uh, he just said, look, I'm okay, go away. So he did. Next week, he was there again, on his own. So I just went and sat beside him, and he started to open up. Uh, it transpired that he had taken an overdose of drugs, which is the biggest curse in the society, are drugs. He'd taken an overdose, and he had actually been responsible for a young girl dying. And uh, so he was not feeling good about himself. Anyway, we sort of spent that week, and for the next year, we virtually saw him every week, uh, one of the group of us. And he got into the way of things. We gave him a book called Winning Ways by Margaret Court, which at the back had uh, the system for becoming a Christian. And he read through it quickly, and then through it not so quickly, and then th read through it slowly. And he just felt God speak to him through that prayer. Now he's uh, gone and he's becoming a pastor within the system. Uh, through Emmaus uh, Bible College, he is doing their course, and he's absolutely committed to becoming a pastor. You know, what a blessing just by meeting people with God's help. Like, God brings these people to our attention, and we just do what he wants us to do, and that changes everything, changes all the dynamics. How many of you know Margaret Court? Oh, quite a few of you. You know that she, she's a pastor in a church in Western Australia, and she's won more Grand Slams than any woman ever. She's probably the greatest woman tennis player of all time, and she's a believer. So if you can get hold of that book, Winning Ways, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's truly an inspiration. Uh, before we go on, I just want to mention, if anyone here today thinks I, I thought I looked under 65, um, I'd be very happy to go out and have coffee with you for a couple of hours, okay? <laughs> but not with those who think I old, look older than 65, all right? <laughs> now, okay. Um, I <clears throat> Somebody chose to be murdered. Can you imagine someone choosing to be murdered? Would you choose to be murdered? You're a beautiful musician. I loved you when you were tinkling on the lower notes in How Great They Are. That, made, that makes a terrific difference. Do you, do you think that? Doesn't it? Those lower notes. The little tinkle down there. Now, what was I about to say? Um, <laughs> what was I about to say, David? Hmm? Oh, murdered. How many of you would choose to be murdered? Yeah? 76. <laughs> We're past 76 now. Uh, who would choose to be murdered? Anyone here? Do you know of anyone who would choose to be murdered? Yes, you do. You know him better than anyone. Yes. Didn't he choose to be murdered? You don't think about being murdered, do you, when you think of Jesus? You don't use words like that. Do, do we usually? He was murdered. Right? He chose to be murdered 
for loving the murderer, whoever the murderer is, whoever the fraudster is, whoever the person who covets is, whoever loves is. Right? He chose to be murdered. And there he is on the cross, right? His prison, so he couldn't walk around. In, there's no, there was no sort of uh, prison courtyard to walk around, right? He has nowhere to walk, up or down, sideways or in and out. He's he, nailed there. But on each side of him, he has two men, each on a cross. One of them says to him, well, hurls insults at him, right? That's the end of him, presumably. On the other side, who do we have? Who's on the other side? Come on, don't you know? Hmm? The repentant thief, right? The thief. And what does the thief say to the man who chose to be murdered? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. No sooner do I die on the cross, but you'll be with me forever after that. Isn't that fantastic? There is a, there is a tradition that the thief on the cross was called Dismas. Dismas represent. We've actually got an organisation called Friends of Dismas, and Friends of Dismas, our focus is the ex-prisoner. When people come out of prison, uh, they are welcomed to a service which we have every Wednesday. We uh, offer all all ex-prisoners a, a a meal uh, like sandwiches and biscuits and tea and stuff. And we also give them the opportunity of attending a little church service. We run a church service, which is actually partly supported by the Baptist Church and the Church of Christ. Um, so we, we run it at the moment in the Welsh Church, which is uh, give us the accommodation for free, which is wonderful. And at that, every prisoner sits around and they have an opportunity of speaking, every person, and how important that is because a lot of these guys, when they get out, they have no friends, nobody wants to know them, but they know that when they come to Friends of Dismas, we know, we know them, we appreciate them, and we will help them in whatever way we can. So, and the lead up to that is an organization called T24. So. When prisoners who have been in prison for a long time, they, when they come out, they find it very, very difficult to relate to society. Like one guy who I have coffee with every Thursday morning, he went into prison in the last century, and he came out just about a year ago. He was in for 19 years, and when he came out, he didn't know how to relate to normal people because he'd been sort of got you know shelved away uh, on his own to a large extent and uh, so now he comes along and we have coffee every mo every Thursday morning and he really feels the blessing of it and what we've done now is when somebody is coming out and they've been in prison for a long time Rather than them come out and not 
when they come out not know which way to go, we actually provide somebody, when they come out, somebody is there to greet them and spend the day with them. So in other words, they might need to go to a parole meeting or get a bank account or you know, get a mobile phone. Whatever they need to do, we would spend the day doing. And the first thing that they all want to do is what? Cup of coffee. Believe it or not, they are all into coffee. <laughs> because the stuff that they get in prison, it's called coffee, but it sort of could go under different terms. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's, so we spend the day with them doing whatever they want. When they drop them off at their accommodation, we basically uh, give them our mobile phone or s and get their mobile phone number so that somebody can ring them the following day, see how they've got on, if they're okay, if they're kind of get getting it all together, whether they slept. And if not, we will then get somebody else to go and spend time with them that day and try and assimilate them very quickly into society. There is a lot of uh, sexual abuse in our society, and I particular, uh, th particularly think of one woman who was continually sexually abused right through her childhood. That is just awful to uh, grasp that that could be true, isn't it? To grasp. And, but she was determined that she was going to find a way forward with her life. So she built up a, uh, a very strong support system around her. She visited many counsellors and prayer groups and so on. But it wasn't until she joined the Sycamore Tree Project. Why would it be called Sycamore Tree? Any ideas? Well, who? So, Levi. Yeah, Levi. Zacchaeus, who climbed a sycamore tree. Okay, the Sycamore Tree Project. It wasn't until she joined that project that it made the, a, a bigger difference than anything else. And what happens there is that she joins a group of prisoners. And she talks with those who have committed crimes similar to the ones committed against her. Not meeting, not meeting the perpetrator himself or himself, usually, but with those whose crimes were similar to the ones committed against her. Okay? And they are, usually, they are often, often pedophiles. right? And what she discovered was that the issues that they all face are really quite similar. You think that the worst crimes are, uh, are, are committed by the worst criminals, but in the end, there's kind of like a, a common set of features that cause all crime, which we look, we just can't go into now. But to say that the Sycamore Tree Project, which we conduct, along with uh, Change on the Inside and uh, uh, Prisoner's Journey and so on, these are all ways in which we enable prisoners to come closer uh, to God. Now. All of humanity is in prison, hmm? in one way or another, including us. People in casinos, hmm? they prisons? You bet they are. are. People in hospital beds that are smaller than prisoners' cells? Hmm? Some children in school backyards and school classrooms? Battered wives in their homes? And many many others, dozens of other types of prisons. Then we come to our prisons. 
If you have an addiction, you're in prison. Or an obsession, you're in prison. If you have resentment against someone else in this congregation or anywhere else, you're in prison until you deal with it. If you have uh, unresolved guilt or unresolved grief, whatever it is, you're in prison. And you might not even know that you're in prison until God points it out to you. And with heartfelt, deep and faithful prayer, you ask for the truth about yourself and God will reveal it to you. I'd like you to uh, raise your forefinger up to the side of your head and tap it and say together, jail's up here. Jail's up here, isn't it? It's up here. You don't have to have four walls surrounding you for you to be in jail, spiritually, physically even, emotionally. You can be in jail and not know it. You may not be as free as you think you are or don't know how free you could be once you're released from something in your life for which you may have been quite unconscious. For me, it was shyness. You wouldn't believe it, but I used to be incredibly shy and didn't have a girlfriend until I was 25. I was afraid of people. Now look at me. I'm not, I'm not shy, mostly, anymore. I'm experiencing freedom. And with every sin that I confess and repent of, God brings me into a new freedom in that area. Right? It's exciting, don't you think? So we don't have to go around handcuffed to our sins, unconfessed sins, do we? I saw a movie once called Rabbit Hole. And in Rabbit Hole, this girl asks her mother, who lost her husband some years before, how did you cope with grief at losing your husband? And she said, well, it's like carrying a brick around in my pocket. It doesn't stop me from living a full life, mostly, but I'm aware that the brick is weighing me down as I go through life. So it's always sort of there. So any sin that's unconfessed will be like a brick in your, in your, in your pocket. It will weigh you down. It will be like a yoke and a burden over your shoulder that you carry around, even if you don't physically stoop inside your head, inside your soul, you may be in prison. And we don't want prisoners to be like that anymore. We want them to come out of their prisons, to be on the other side of their bars, just like we would hope, I hope, that we would be freed from the bars that we have in front of us, whatever they may be. And you have them. I don't have to know you personally. You don't have to know me personally. One of mine is gluttony. You wouldn't think I'm a glutton, would you? I'm a glutton for food. I'm glad it's food rather than drink, but I'm a glutton. I eat more than I should. Eat more than I need. It's hard to get over. It's an addiction I have. Right? The Lord hasn't dealt with me about that yet because I'm not sure if I want it badly enough. You have to want something really badly deep in your heart for the change to occur. And I don't want that yet because I love sweet foods. I'll bet there are some gluttons in here. How many of you, I've admitted it, how many of you would admit to being a glutton? There's one, two, three, four, five. We'll triple that number and that's probably the truth. Okay? Oh dear, dear me. All right. Oh, we've got to come to a conclusion. A conclusion. David, um, there's a few things here, isn't there, we want people to know about. 
starting. Oh, yes, of course. Um, if you put 75,000 biscuits in a row, how far would it stretch? Five kilometres. Okay? And that's exactly what we need every year just before Easter. Uh, we have a biscuit bake, and uh, so every prisoner in Victoria gets a bag which looks a bit more presentable than this, <laughs> but with 10 biscuits in it and a little card giving the Easter message on one side and what prison fellowship can do for the prisoners on the other. So that's just something that that, mu mu that Muslim chap, he was really appreciated the biscuits over everything else. So uh, we, we also have a, an art exhibition which is coming up in August uh, and uh, you know they, ho they hold the actual competition in, in the Manningham Centre in, uh, in Doncaster. So um, like pr prisoners have got same capabilities as all of us, like you know we are all, all got uh, various remember this, don't you, David? This I do art indeed, art. yeah. Jubilee edition of the work of artists in prison. Yeah. Have a look uh, on the table after the service. And also, like, some of them are very, very handy with their hands, and, uh, mm. you know, that's something that they, they also do. Like, well, I remember seeing one which was uh, the Sydney Bridge. Amazing uh, sculpture of the Sydney, Sydney Harbour Bridge. Uh, yeah, we, we've also uh, have soc uh, soccer and basketball, uh, which teams go into the various prisons. So, uh, and they go in, and the, the benefit is that they play the game and as rough and tough as it can be, uh, giving no ground and expecting no ground given. But at the end of it, somebody gets up and gives uh, a five-minute testimony of how... God has blessed their lives. Uh, we've got a magazine which we put out every couple of months called Set Free. So this will be supplementary reading for you. There's no charge for these. Um, there's one on the table outside if you'd like to take one home and read some more, and that will confirm many of the things we've shared this morning. And for any of you who would really like to be more involved in what we do, no matter what it is, we have an information night Okay, every two months in Doncaster. That's something you, I think you should really pray about if you can. There's lots, lots, of, lots of opportunities, and uh, just to be aware is, is a good thing. Mm. Um, <coughs> I was at a funeral recently, and uh, uh, a funeral of a friend of mine, and uh, as my wife and I got out of our car in the car park, I saw this man with a, a beautiful tie, and I went up to him and I said, I love your tie. Love your tie. He said, thank you very much. The man who had died was a very generous man. Generous. Isn't that a wonderful word? Being generous to you and be you being generous to others is what life's all about, isn't it? Generous, not stingy and guarded and all that. Anyway, uh, the eulogies indicated that he was a very generous man. After the service, he comes up and gives me this tie. His tie. And I said the wrong thing. I said, oh, look, you shouldn't have done that. I was just 
admiring your tie. I didn't want it. Quite secretly, I did, actually. <laughs> so I changed my mind, and I said, yeah, thank you very much. Now, you might like this tie. You might think it's quite a gaudy tie. How many of you like this tie? <laughs> you think it's garish? Gaudy? Anyway, I like it, and I usually wear very colourful clothing because we live in a technicolour world, don't we? If you look around, we're all, these, all the colours all over the place, right? So I believe that being generous is important. We want to be generous with prisoners. We know, the people we know in prison fellowship, on the staff and so on, they're very generous people. They just give of their time, their finances and so on. You know, it just makes all the difference. So we want to say to you to be generous in whatever way you can. Oh, one of the ways... You've all got these on your property, haven't you? You mightn't see many of them, but you've got to have these pipes because without these pipes, you don't have any water coming out of your tap. Okay? Now, every Christian organisation in Australia, right, and every business will agree with what I'm about to say. What we do is our water. Working with prisoners is the water of our lives. Right? This here is this. Without financial support, we cannot do our work. We hardly get anything from the government and other sources. We depend entirely on our supporters. So we do encourage you to be generous this morning and support us in this way or in any of the other ways that we can suggest to you. Come and talk to us afterwards. We're not going home yet. We're going to have lunch with you. Hopefully all of you are going to stay for lunch. Okay. And I want to finish with a prayer by Max Lucado. Any of you heard of Max Lucado? This is his prayer. Blessed are the available. Blessed are the conduits, the tunnels, the tools. Deliriously joyful are the ones who believe that if God has used sticks and rocks to do his will, then he can use us, you. Okay. Now this message will not self-destruct. This message will be with us. Numbers of criminals will increase. We'll get more and more news about crime, probably more than any other subject over the coming months. So please, if you would really confirm in your hearts and minds what we've been sharing this morning for yourself and for Prison Fellowship and help us in whatever ways you can. Talk to us over lunch. So thank you very much for having us. We have loved being here this morning, haven't we, David? Love being here and uh, for both services. We thank you for the opportunity to be here uh, with you. So thank you very much, Glenn, Damien and all the others involved in that. So. Thank you, Ian. To help you overcome your sin of gluttony, there will be no lunch for you. Oh. <laughs> oh, I should have expected that. Oh. Thank you lock very much for... Lock, you, lock you in and lock me... Lock you, everyone here in and lock me out. Is that yeah, that's right. Uh, I found this book, Born Again, um, which is the autobiography of Charles Coulson, the founder of Prison Fellowship, when I was in India in 1993. I found this book on the shelf of the OM office. And I took that book, because I have a train ride to Delhi, and I spent the whole time in my train reading through this book. So this is the only book that I've read at one go in my life. Seriously, okay. and his conversion story and how he founded Prison Fellowship.
and uh, fantastic story. Well, that's it for this morning. Thank you. Please stay for lunch. I'm only joking. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you extra portion. We'll watch you all eat. Yes, that's right. Uh, why don't we stand as we sing and as we close this time uh, with this beautiful song, How Great Thou Art. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are a great God that we worship. Thank you that you inspire us. Like William Carey that says, attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. Thank you that you are a good God. You're a wonderful God. We thank you for the legacy of Charles Coulson, who he himself went to prison and as a result of being in prison for nine months that he began this movement of prison fellowship that has ministered to many, many people across the globe in the last 40, 50 years. We thank you for his legacy. We pray for prison fellowship. Uh, may you continue to prosper their ministry and to give a new uh, understanding to why we bake biscuit uh, over Easter period last uh, this year too as we ex encourage people to give. Thank you, Lord. As we sing this song, How Great Thou Art, once again, we are reminded that we serve a great God and we want to make this great God known to people who need you most. Thank you, Lord. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the people will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king said, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Thank you, Lord. That everything we do, we do it unto you. When we visit a prisoner, we do it for you. Thank you, Lord. Help us to have this concept in our mind, ingrain it, embedded it into our heart, that whatever we do, we are actually serving you and doing it unto you. That gives us tremendous amount of motivation and courage to do the task that is in front of us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Bless us as we live now. May the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, His unconditional, unfailing love of God, and the empowering fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.